Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church of Grace Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, several weeks back, we spent some time studying John's seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We took a look at what each of those letters had to say about being the church, what each of those letters had to say about instructing us as the Church of Grace Station on being the church in our day and age. And the letter that stuck out to me the most was John's letter to Laodicea, where he talked about this affluent church's need for Christ. Even in the midst of their wealth, they needed Christ, and they needed to recognize that they needed Christ. Aaron and I take just a couple of minutes today to talk about that, talk about what it looks like to be a church that learns a lesson from Laodicea, and in the midst of our affluence and autonomy, learning that we are indeed dependent on Christ. Give it a listen. All right, I'm sitting here with Aaron Markham, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you today, sir? I'm doing really, really well. Cool. How about you? I am swell. I had Burger King for lunch. Mm. I don't know what to say about that. I don't I don't know if I do either, but I did. Here I stand. I can do no other. I was driving from uh, like uh, 1485. There's a new Burger King right there, mm-hmm. and I just saw it, and I just whipped in before I knew it. I'd eaten 10 nuggets. Wow. And that was before 11 a.m. Yep. Wow. You have totally outed me on that. I was yeah. going to keep that part to myself. That's okay. Um, I've been up. It's been very, it's been a long day already, so it's past lunchtime in my mind. Um, hey, this is a question that I posed to our community group last night. I want to hear your thoughts. What is one holiday tradition that you're eager to do, but you have self-consciously kept yourself from doing because it's not yet time to celebrate that thing? Hmm. Hmm. That is a really good question. I, um, hmm. What did you say? Because I'm, I, so to be honest, I'm not, I don't have any great traditions as of right now. Uh, that shocks me absolutely zero. Yeah. Like, absolutely none. You know, in my personality now, um, I have not enjoyed tradition in the past for some reason. I don't know. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to creating some new traditions. Uh, actually, Casey and I have talked about it a decent bit in the kind of years coming ahead. So, with purpose and with clarity, yeah. I think all traditions I've ever done, it's always just kind of been like, we just do them. For the sake of doing them. For the sake of doing them. You did get me kind of rolling uh, last night when I ate dinner at your house. And one of my favorite traditions is eating um, from honey-baked ham, getting the turkey mm-hmm. that is there and the cranberry sauce that they sell. And that's my uh, that's my Thanksgiving meal and my and my Christmas meal. Mm. Um, even Casey's mom has started buying it for me if I'm like with their family for that event. So it's just it's the best, man. It's so good. Uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving food, holiday foods are just the greatest. Mm. We can agree on that. Uh, the answer that I said was the Vince Guaraldi Charlie Brown Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a great jazz piano. Love that album, and it's not a tradition like yeah. It, it's more of kind of a uh, it's not a tradition in the sense of a, like a family activity, a family get-together, a church-wide get-together. It's more of just kind of a personal thing that I enjoy hmm. that I restrict myself to just that one particular time of year. Hmm. So, Yeah, I, uh, I think Casey and I also lost a little bit of a tradition in that uh, Christmas 2017, we 
flew back on December 24th at 10 p.m. from the beach where it was like 80 degrees in Kenya. And we flew back to where we were and where we lived in Nairobi. So Christmas time in Nairobi, it's going to be 80, 85 degrees. So that also lost us a little bit Yeah, from the last couple of years. I get that. That makes sense. Um, cool. Well, so transitioning to our topic at hand. So uh, a couple of weeks back, we were studying through... Um, the seven letters to the seven churches in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. And uh, we we taught on the church at Laodicea and the kind of uh, what seemed to be a um, of the seven churches, one of the most applicable to our current situation. And uh, I got a lot of positive feedback from that sermon. A lot of folks, you know, resonated with that. But I thought it'd be helpful to record a podcast where we just further unpack some of the things that are present in the passage and just further apply some of the principles to our kind of current situation as 21st century Americans. Um, to kind of orient us, um, I'm, I'm just going to read the passage again. And then after I read it, Aaron, I want you to answer this question. How how would you say, how, how, how might we be able to say that we live in Laodicea as 21st century Americans? So just mull that over as I read. <clears throat> and to the church, excuse me, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you either were cold or hot. So because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and solve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love are approve uh, and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also con- conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Mm-hmm. So how, how might our situation be parallel to what's described here? Yeah, I think that... Um, we very much see a refrain in America could easily be verse 17, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. And if you, I think in America, if you if you don't feel one part of that statement, you feel another. So obviously in America, we do have a lot who, who go without, who have less, you know, homeless and, and that sort. Um, but we also have as a whole, a lot we have um we have richness we have prosperity and in many ways we we need we could say we need nothing um we can say we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps we don't need anybody's help we don't need god's help um so we very much i think can say that um in america it's also in in the sermon i did on greed a couple months ago i said that the the richest one person in the world makes thirty two thousand dollars per year and obviously, depending on how you look at that, that is tons of money. And also in America, it could maybe not be you know, the absolute most amount of money. But that's literally the richest 1%. Mm. So 99% or less than that. We, we have. Um, we, we have possessions, um, even just assumptions that we as Americans would take. Uh, things like having an HVAC unit, having clean water, having plumbing. Like almost just those basic things are going to put you in a place where it's like, 
uh, you're you're really at the top of top of the echelon, um, even multiple rooms in a house, um, things like that, where we can really say I'm rich, um, I've prospered, I need nothing. Mm. Yeah, the the statement there I think that's really interesting is the is saying that I have no need, mm. um, and kind of the um, that, that's that's more or less a statement of. Uh, independence, a statement of complete autonomy. Hmm. It's saying that I'm not dependent on anyone or anything, that I'm completely autonomous. I am the master of my own fate, the master of my own domain. And it seems like as 21st century Americans, we are uniquely um, uniquely willing to say that. And, and in a lot of ways, like uniquely able to say that, hmm. that we are autonomous, independent creatures, hmm. that, that we see ourselves as being yeah, kind of the thing that I said in the sermon was we, we see ourselves as being the center of our own universes and, and really kind of at every point the shape of our world reinforces that. What's, mm. what's a default setting for us? The very shape of our world reinforces that again and again and again that I'm autonomous, I'm independent, I'm the center of my own universe, I have no need. I am completely sufficient in and of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the connection with wealth and spiritual poverty? What What's the connection between being in the top 1%, mm. having just extreme affluence, uh, and, and also kind of this sense of autonomy. What's the connection between those things and spiritual poverty? Mm. Why is it hard for a rich man, Jesus says, to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, I think we, we get in in Matthew 19, you know, Jesus saying to his t- disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, you cannot serve God and money. Um, So in many ways, wealth does satisfy or wealth does bring a certain level of comfort or wealth does does protect us. Um, Or at least that's how we imagine it to be. That's how we feel it to be. Um, But then when it becomes our God, um, nothing, nothing in this world can stand the weight of the worship that the one true living God mm. deserves. Everything else you mentioned about um, in your in your sermon, how really everything else is going to fail us at some point in our lives. Um, but only God can kind of withstand the the full weight of our worship. The wealth our wealth cannot. Um, even thinking about Matthew five, all the blesseds at the beginning, it's blesseds of like the low, the poor, the meek, the unimportant. Yep. Um, and so it's almost this this tension or turning the kingdom on its head. Um, wealth does not necessarily mean um, great relationship with God, and really almost causes difficulty. Yeah, yeah, that's good. The foundational, um, sort of the foundational pillars of the gospel message, is that you are needy. That it it, uh, it totally rubs up against this this thought that we're autonomous because mm-hmm. it says we are accountable morally accountable to a holy God, mm-hmm. um, and the fundamental issue with humanity in Romans chapter one is it said that we did not know God we suppressed knowledge of God and we did not give Him thanks so there's a an attempt on our end to distance ourselves from God and so the gospel like fundamentally draws our attention back to our accountability to God the fact that we are not autonomous that we are morally accountable to Him. But the reality is we've we've rejected him. We're, we're um, object of God's God's wrath um, as a result of that rejection, and, and we need forgiveness. And that just 
that's like oil and water with our own sense of our autonomy, my own kind of, it's my life's responsibility to fulfill, fulfill my personal destiny and anything outside of me has no right to speak into that. It's all about me kind of finding my personal journey and the gospel, like those two just cannot operate in tandem. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big piece of it too, that, that riches, kind of affluence and autonomy, how those things go together are at odds with the gospel message itself. And I think that's maybe another piece as to why it's, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom as well. Hmm. And Maybe. that even goes back to like Adam and Eve in Genesis three. The autonomy is is a huge part of it because they're seeking essentially autonomy from God, who they are in perfect relationship with, mm. but who is ruling over them. They are kind of seeking their own independence. Yeah. So from the very beginning, the struggle is is there. Yeah. That's good and challenging and and I think incredibly relevant. Um, would we say there's any kind of underbelly? Like, you know, one of the things that's interesting, um, maybe about the nature of affluence and autonomy is, you know, maybe we're at a place culturally where we have we have such an extreme amount of affluence and autonomy that it's almost allowed us to see really clearly that it's hollow, um, that, that these things can satisfy us, and that at the end of the day, these things are indeed... Um, or, or make us pitiable, poor, naked, and blind, even even if we're wealthy. Apart from Christ, that's the reality for us. So what would you say is the underbelly of living in Laodicea, living in extreme affluence and autonomy? Hmm. You sent me a podcast a few weeks ago where a lady was talking about everyone, Christian, non-Christian, desiring meaning, purpose, community, and ritual. People are essentially longing to believe, um, or long, they, they long to belong, they long to have hope, and in many ways, everyone wants to, to worship and be passionate for, for something. But the problem is that the things of, of this world, um, the, the wealth of this world is going to fail us. Um, we're, we're not going to inherently be satisfied. So then you asked at the, in your sermon, does your life have any meaning that suffering or loss could not take away? And obviously, we're not saying here in this question that, that Christ fixes all our issues, um, that he prevents us from from ever suffering, but we're actually saying the opposite. Suffering and loss with Christ provides hope, uh, because our sovereign God is is completely in control. Um, and you said that our suffering actually helps to show that we are not at the center. We are um, actually not autonomous. We're not in control. Um, there there's something kind of bigger and greater out there. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, another thing that I thought about was the um, almost the burden of autonomy, um, if, if that if that makes any kind of sense, that uh, to set ourselves up as being autonomous, self-sufficient centers of the universe is almost a weight that we weren't meant to bear. Hmm. You know, we, we weren't meant to, um, we're not strong enough for the world to spin on its axis kind of on our shoulders. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I wonder if a lot of the, the stresses and the anxiety and even the depression that we feel is kind of a, a symptom of the underbelly of living in Laodicea, that we've, we've for too long kind of operated as if we were the center of the universe and um, that pressure is just too much and it results in us kind of having this perpetual sense of uh, uh, imposter syndrome that I'm going to be found out any day. Or there's this constant pressure to perform or make the right choice and at the end of the day it just stresses us the heck out. Mm. And maybe it's a symptom that we're trying to operate a position in the universe that we were not 
built for, you know, and, and maybe these things are um, opportunities for us that God and His grace is like helping us, helping expose kind of the, the poor, naked, blind, pitiable realities of, of putting too much stock in affluence and, and autonomy. Anything you Yeah, because I think we would ultimately say we, we belong to our triune God. We belong yeah. to Christ. Um, but so often in, in kind of our practical uh, outworking, we we function as if we belong to a lot of other things mm. and that just drives us to think certain ways feel certain ways act certain ways um <clears throat> so i think i think that that's a huge um encouragement and and reminder that that we belong to christ mm. that is where our we are not poor or blind or pitiable with our identity in christ mm. we are if if we are kind of found separate from Christ or, or functionally operating that we are, are not actually kind of underneath Christ. Yeah. So what would you say it means to be rich in Christ? Um, I very much think it, it has to do with our, our hope, our satisfaction being found in the person and work of, of Jesus that we, the, the God of the universe that created and sustains everything called us to himself through Christ. And that is our, that is our greatest hope. That is our greatest joy. Um, I was thinking about the, the CS Lewis quote that I'm sure you've, you've heard. Um, but I just want to read it very quickly. It says it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And I love that infinite joy. And that mm. would be, that would be Christ. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Hmm. And that and I was thinking about that as you um, as we were kind of talking through this because Casey and I operated in slum areas where literally children were playing with mud. Um, but there's there's something so there's something more beautiful like a holiday at the sea out there. And I think that would be the same here is we, we find our satisfaction in maybe the things of this world that feel so great, but it's almost because we're blind to what is greater mm. or mm. what is more magnificent. And that would be Jesus. Mm. The one who is behind that. Yeah. That's, that's something I've thought about um, a good bit, you know, through the work of Sam Storms and John Piper and then Jonathan Edwards and other guys who have written kind of extensively on the, the idea of Christian hedonism. But you know, all of the joys that we experience, legitimate good joys, like uh, the birth of children, uh, the love of good friends, the warmth of a fire, good food, you know, ham and, and cranberry, all of that stuff that's good and legitimately uh, enjoyable finds its source in Jesus. Mm-hmm. All of the goodness that we experience in that is just a, um, it's missed uh, that the wind is blowing off of the fountain that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus offers us himself who is the source of all of those good things and, and the, the place where life and joy and goodness is found in abundance. And so we can say with Christ, we have everything. And apart from Christ, I need nothing. Hmm. Um, and that, that's just kind of been helpful, almost as like a like a, a liturgy to practice in my mind. It's like this thing that I'm enjoying right now is just a, a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of what's offered us in Christ hmm. forever. Hmm. Um, so I think that's really good and really helpful. Yeah. That's really helpful.
Yeah. Any final words on this topic? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking through um, how easy uh, it is to, um, I guess, kind of find our find our hope in in the things of this world, but ultimately, Christ really is really is the greatest satisfaction that that we can have. Um, so I think my my prayer for myself is not to do away with the good gifts God has given us in this world. I don't think he necessarily is saying forget everything, don't mm-hmm. ever don't ever enjoy any mm-hmm. of my good gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, don't enjoy the the good food I've given you or the money to go do this or whatever. Um, but we're very much open-handed with that and we very much don't find our identity and in re- our motivation for life in those things. Rather our hope, our joy our motivation for life is our identity in Christ. Um, so we can still enjoy the good gifts that God has given to us, not make them idols, give glory to the to the Father as the provider, and then um, find our identity in Christ. And then also bring other people mm, into enjoying that's good. that. Like, that's good. You know, our home is, is not just for us. It's for other people to come mm. feel at home with us or whatever that may be. Yeah, that's good. And evangelism is fundamentally the offer of a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Good. So appreciate you coming on this afternoon, man. I hope yeah. this episode was encouraging to you, Aaron, and I hope listener is encouraging to you uh, as we think about what it looks like to live faithfully uh, in Laodicea. Uh, keep plugging along and give us a listen next week. Thanks.